There are a good many ways that institutional investors are taking best advantage of this versatile market created by broad public participation. Hello and welcome to the Decrypting Crypto podcast. I'm Matthew House Barbie, and today I'm speaking with Karel Vong, who is from Treasure. Uh, he's the COO and co-founder, and Treasure itself has become the home and by far and away the leader of all things gaming and NFTs on the Arbitrum blockchain. Now, Arbitrum has been getting a lot of attention, and if you've been following the podcast over the past couple of years, you'll know that I'm a bit of a fan of, of Arbitrum. It's been benefiting quite a lot uh, over the past month or so from the big popular narrative that we're, we're, we're all been discussing around layer two blockchains and roll-ups. And you can see from just taking a look in your CoinGecko that pretty much anything that's been built on Arbitrum or products like, uh, or chains like Optimism, they have been slightly in the green, it's fair to say. So with all of this attention on Arbitrum, I wanted to dig into some of the big verticals that the the team and I think the wider ecosystem surrounding it sees as its main areas of growth. Arbitrum has its own dedicated chain, Arbitrum Nova, specifically for gaming and social. And one of the big flagship partnerships that they, they had was with Reddit, who has naturally built out all of their community point system on there. And there are a whole host of notable Web3 games that are building on Arbitrum. And I think the, the the wider ecosystem is set to expand pretty dramatically. I think over the past year where you know, Web3 gaming has been a pretty challenging space to, to build, like the majority of the, the crypto space, I believe that through this year, we're going to see some big changes there and that actually the Arbitrum ecosystem in particular, along with several others, are going to be the home to some very exciting and new novel use cases. Treasure itself is a pretty great um, kind of ecosystem. And we dig in in quite detail with Corel around all of the different components, how their token works in, in amongst it, how projects have been building, how they support their growth. So without further ado, let's dive straight into the interview with Corel now. Corel, welcome to the Decrypting Crypto podcast. Wonderful to have uh, someone of your experience come on and talk all things Arbitrum. Why don't we kind of start this conversation with just a very high-level explainer of what Treasure is, the mission, and kind of the journey that you've been on so far? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks uh, Thanks so much for, for having me here. Uh, so 
Treasure, I mean, where can, where can I start? It's, um, you know, we're effectively building the decentralized Nintendo. Um, you know, we like to call this kind of a crypto native uh, game publisher that is really leveraging Web3 to its fullest extent. Um, and so what that kind of means is, you know, uh, as we think about kind of traditional, um, you know, game publishing models, um, you know, from the sort of Web2 era, you know, a lot of that has been kind of predicated around, you know, walled gardens, um, you know, uh, some might say predatory kind of monetization, um, you know, methods and, um, you know, really kind of the value accrual back to kind of players and, and, and you know, the community itself. And so, you know, really kind of thinking about how we, you know, within the Web3 context can transform how game publishing can be done and do this in a kind of bottom up community driven way um, with its kind of unique flavor of, um, you know, really bringing interoperability and, you know, composable resources to, to life. So, um, you know, everything is connected through magic, which is our token that's, you know, uh, spans across the entire ecosystem. You know, we have a ton of first and, and third party games. Um, you know, we have uh, gaming first kind of marketplace and, and AMM, um, you know, that uh, kind of powers a lot of these different things, a metagame and, you know, interoperability that's kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know, taking place between games and, um, you know, different ways that, you know, we're kind of building infrastructure and, and supporting um, everyone who is building on top of Treasure. Interesting. So it seems like kind of Treasure almost has its own kind of stack kind of within it of different layers. And as I was digging in, I'm a big fan of kind of the Arbitrum ecosystem. Would it be fair to say that Treasure is probably the number one kind of destination right now for gaming and nfts at least on the on the arbitrum ecosystem uh, absolutely um definitely i think i'd say number one and you know i think um you know the the last stat we we had for this was you know uh, all of kind of treasure all of our games you know were kind of attributable to um you know close to 95% of, of all the gaming and NFT transactions on Arbitrum. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's that's super exciting. It, it also means we're quite early. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the day when that number actually decreases because there's a, a lot more kind of happening uh, on the Arbitrum, um, you know, kind of ecosystem. And, uh, you know, of course, we're, we're hoping Treasure continues to play a big role there. Well, this is one of the things that I think is interesting when, when you look at Treasure and what you've all done over <clears throat> the past couple of years where Arbitrum, for all intents and purposes, hasn't really had a whole lot of major competitors to, to Treasure to date. And I think 95% market share is <laughs> pretty significant. And <clears throat> I guess from the genesis of Arbitrum, the majority of the early activity seemed to center, uh, center all around decentralized options and futures trading platforms, the likes of obviously GMX, Dopex, et cetera, kind of dominating a lot of the discussion there. And it seems that especially, I, maybe this is a bit of like just my bias of being involved a lot more in the gaming space, but certainly over the past 12 months in particular, it's like gaming has really started to get a lot more traction and is being discussed hand in hand with uh, decentralized, like, or DeFi at least, and options on Arbitrum. What I'm interested in is why you chose Arbitrum to to begin with. Because I guess at the time when you launched, I 
gaming was probably, it's fair to say, a lot more developed and popular on other chains that you probably could have chosen. So why why did you go why did you go on there and take a leap of faith being one of the really early projects that uh that that kind of made the the jump into Arbitrum? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Um it, it kind of it ties in well with the journey that um you know we kind of set out on from kind of launch um and I'll, I'll share this really quickly but you know this is kind of circa September 2021 um around the loot craze. Um so um if if you're not familiar um you know this is a project that um was you know kind of represented by eight card uh, eight words on cards, you know they were it was kind of flipping the script on the NFTs and really serving as uh, kind of the the primitives that you know folks and and others could kind of build on top of create you know, kind of metaverses around. Um, and, you know, we've uh, always sort of had the thesis that, you know, the, the metaverse is, um, you know, not just kind of one place, it's more, um, you know, the kind of aggregate and, and composite of, of many of many of them. And so um, we kind of use that to, to branch and really kind of start, um, you know, Treasure, which, you know, had its, uh, you know, was uh, initially kind of a, a derivative of, of that. Um, and so as we kind of formed, you know, our token, formed the project, um, you know, we, we also knew that, um, you know, we, we wanted to make a transition to an L2 at some point um, as we kind of leaned deeper into this this gaming narrative. Um, I mean, we, we were, you know, ha- have been on Ethereum since the start um, as, as a whole. And, you know, we've always kind of been an ETH uh, maxis, if, if you will. Um, but it was important for us to, you know, kind of maintain that connection to, to Ethereum. Um, you know, if we recall the just general kind of gas and, and speed and, you know, experience of um, just being on L1 during the last uh, kind of bull run, um, you know, it, it made it very clear, um, you know, even at that point that, L, you know, some L2 was necessary. Um, and, you know, of course, you would want a great partner and one that will hopefully be around long enough, right? So um, that's that's always a, a consideration from a platform risk perspective for any project and, you know, founding team, uh, you know, that is looking to kind of stand something up. Um, and so, you know, kind of surveying the landscape, um, you know, there really were a handful of options out there. Um, but, you know, we, we had come across kind of Arbitrum and, and as, as you mentioned, it was very early on, um, you know, there were signs of a kind of like grassroots NFT ecosystem kind of starting to form there, but it was very much um, DeFi was, was you know, uh, essentially king on, on Arbitrum at that, at that stage and, uh, <laughs> you know, for all intents and purposes probably still is. Um, and, you know, we, we, we did also have some DeFi roots in how we kind of approach things, um, especially around kind of just like initially bootstrapping treasure. So um, the other consideration for us was um, also just thinking about about you know how we could uh, uh, grow into becoming a bigger fish in what we believe to be uh, an eventual growing uh, and, and but initially small pond. Um, and so we spent a lot of time, you know, with the Arbitrum team, I think got, you know, the uh, ability to, um, you know, work really closely with them as, you know, they continue to, to evolve and, and grow. Um, and, you know, fast forward to, 
uh, to today, you know, it, it is now, you know, I think, um, you know, really the the right choice that we made early on to, um, you know, kind of build with them. And, you know, it's, it's a very vibrant ecosystem that, you know, I think is right for, you know, all sorts of, of developers, um, in, including those building games as, as well. Yeah, and it seems like Arbitrum have really doubled down on that focus around gaming. And one of probably the more significant pieces here was when they they built out Arbitrum Nova, um, their kind of dedicated uh, sidechain within Arbitrum uh, that's pretty much exclusively for gaming and NFTs. Can, can you kind of explain Nova to to those listening that maybe aren't aware of it and and understanding like how it differentiates from the Arbitrum one chain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I will preface by uh, noting that um, that the, the the treasure ecosystem is actually not on Nova right now, anyway. Mm. Um, but um, you know, it, it, it is tailor made for for gaming. So it's it's been built, um, you know, uh, using Arbitrum's antitrust technology. Um, you know, it is effectively their gaming and social chain. So um, you know, uh, as we think about um, you know the uh, kind of moving to an L2 and then moving to, um, you know, really kind of a, an app specific chain that lends itself to even further, um, you know, lower kind of transaction costs, uh, you know, maintaining that um, kind of high security and, and the guarantees uh, that, you know, you can kind of tap into. And then really the support for kind of higher transaction volumes is, is you know, important for all kinds of projects that, um, you know, uh, you know, what we'll, we'll need to kind of access something like that. So gaming is a perfect use case, uh, social apps are, um, you know, on the social side, they have uh, Reddit's uh, community point system that is now built on Nova. So um, really, there's a lot of uh, kind of those levers that, you know, I think make it a, a great place for uh, kind of on-chain and also like hybrid on-off-chain applications to, to be right at home. Um, and, and, and so, you know, for, for background on the treasury side of things, you know, we have, uh, we, we had started off on Arbitrum one and, you know, there are, um, there's a lot of concentration here. Um, it's, it's, uh, as you think about kind of moving between Arbitrum one and Arbitrum Nova, um, it's effectively, you know, almost a, a separate ecosystem. So, um, the reason why we haven't moved over yet is just from a like inertia perspective and just wanting to make sure that you know we uh, move what is now uh, a, a larger kind of ecosystem if we were to make that transition do it in a way that is kind of seamless um, and uh, you know but we're, we're excited to see what is kind of built on, on Nova um, you know outside of treasure there are a handful of projects that um, you know specifically on, on the gaming side which we obviously spent a lot of uh, kind of time thinking about um, but you have games like uh, like metagates uh, you know this is very much inspired by almost like an Ultima online kind of MMORPG. Um, you have Forgotten Ruins, uh, you know, their kind of, uh, you know, initial game, uh, I think it's called Battle for, for Goblin Town, uh, you know, they're there as well. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, all sorts of, of others that are kind of coming down to um, build on, on Arbitrum Nova, which is, which is exciting. Yeah, and it's, it feels like, you know, Arbitrum as a whole, as an ecosystem, there's a lot of excitement around it. I think right now, obviously, it's, being swept up in the 
the big L2 narrative that everyone's quite excited about because like pretty much everything is uh, pumping pretty hard and token price, whether it's uh, when it's a project on Arbitrum or Optimism or another L2 that's that's running rollups. But when I, when we kind of like narrow into Web3 gaming, um, you know, I, I won't need to tell you that's been on quite the roller coaster ride since the the boom of the play to earn kind of uh, rise in late 2021. What is it that makes you and the team at Treasure so bullish on the future of Web3 gaming? And what, if anything, do you think kind of needs to to change from the systems of past to really scale up and reach the kind of quote unquote masses? Yeah. Um... You know, I, I think how we're thinking about um, just gaming overall, and you know, I think it's um, the, the the one thing that I think is is clear for for any many folks, um, those who are kind of building here, those who are you know looking at this uh, from an investment perspective, uh, definitely on on the more institutional side, um, which which is uh, some of my background as as, as well, um, but just thinking about you know like what is going to be the major um, kind of catalyst to, um, you know, uh, really bring the masses over and, you know, drive kind of Web3 adoption. And, um, you know, uh, our thinking and thesis is that, you know, there will be more of this kind of gaming as the Trojan horse to get get everyone over here. And it may, um, you know, be in a way that is, um, you know, driving a lot of, you know, kind of the really the the ethos and kind of principles of why we're kind of building in, in web3 there's a lot of this kind of ownership um you know community driven um you know kind of approaches to 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 everything um definitely on the asset ownership side you know i think that is increasingly sort of more important um you know you you have um you know kind of the the historic uh you know sort of um you know uh, sort of notions where um you know you have uh, had a game that you played and, and enjoyed and loved and you know sunk hours and hours into only for it to change uh you know uh an, an update and create a patch that made your uh item less valuable or you know for that game to you know entirely kind of shut down over time and so um really kind of thinking about um you know how you can kind of evolve that and as you bring you know these assets uh you know increasingly on chain um you know kind of represents that you know this is actually something you truly own and and you know there's also the interoperability side of things which um you know can sound like a buzzword but you know the uh, kind of call it um, taking your sword to another game uh, you know kind of notion is like one uh way of looking at it but there's so much more you can you can do with that so um you know i think we're we're generally just very excited and, and passionate you know we're we're a team of lifelong gamers um you know uh, many have kind of worked in, in gaming as well and um, just thinking about um you know how we can both uh you know enable uh, kind of game studios and developers who are kind of, you know, creating the the content and creating the experiences for folks to, you know, kind of enjoy and, and be delighted from and, you know, hopefully come on over um, and, uh, you know, kind of build, build things here. So <clears throat> you talked a little bit about interoperability there, and I think that's something that gets talked about a lot. Something that I think long-term is very, very important, not just for, 
um, the gaming side of things, but I think social and pretty much anything that comes on chain that involves a, a community coordination. Are you, are you seeing much of this happening today, right? Like using the classic example of, yeah, a sword in one game being used elsewhere. Are you seeing much of this happening in the Arbitrum ecosystem? Are there any ways that you're seeing projects do more novel things to, I guess, to to kind of lean into a bit of a Web3 gaming cliche, but just kind of increasing the utility of the assets within their game outside of their individual game itself? Yeah, um, de- definitely, and, and and I think this is this is an area that we spend a lot of time thinking about at at Treasure. I mean, there's the perspective of um, kind of game to game interoperability, um, but then there's you know kind of the perspective of how we enable this at like a, a metagame level, so everything kind of spanning between across um, the games and then at kind of a, a plane that kind of sits outside of that. So really the thesis like that we have is, you know, the kind of like one plus one will not equal two, it's, it's, it can equal three or, or more. And it's really built around kind of the, you know, games and, and players, you know, being able to build and, you know, together and create a stronger universe, um, you know, really kind of unlock like even better gaming experiences. So from the builder side, um, you know, interoperability will, you know, really allow for, you know, new kinds of game formats It introduces a bit of a, a constraint, but also a, a, you know, kind of new, um, you know, uh, kind of opportunity to, to tap into that. Um, accessing kind of shared player bases, you know, this is kind of aggregating multiple game communities into one um, now that you can kind of, you know, enable the and kind of integrate something from another game, um, kind of the collaboration with the players themselves and um, really kind of driving that like engagement and, and retention for players as we think about call it utility, um, you know, is really that kind of like fun new experiences, uh, kind of the continuous gameplay that can transcend a game, you know, going between games. uh, And then, of course, you know, trying to derive that greater value from your assets, because you can do a lot more of that. Um, So so generally, um, you know, this is something that I think is, is, you know, taking place, but generally still early um, within Treasure. And I think within the uh, just all of NFTs and and, and kind of Web3 gaming right now, um, you I think the first and, and earliest kind of points to this is, you know, something that's already kind of done in, done in Web 2, right? You have games that are, you know, in, featuring and incorporating kind of other IP, um, you know, be it kind of movies or popular characters into their game. Um, so there's that kind of like aesthetic layer where you can, you know, kind of, um, you know, incorporate that. Um, thinking about, I think, what it has already started to be done in Web3, you know, kind of the shared like currencies and, and assets. So, um, you know, kind of tying in with the first one, but, you know, being able to, to spend or use or, you know, kind of surface that within a game. Uh, the, the hardest thing in, in our minds is building kind of both game and like economic loops that can span multiple games. So, um, you know, this requires quite a bit of just game design and it's really interesting what could be done if it's done right. Um, But, you know, having to, you know, require 
uh, for example, uh, crafting some, and, and this is actually taking place in, in a game that we have called Bridge World, but, you know, crafting, you know, resources using these kind of treasures, um, you know, which effectively are commodities, you know, they're things like gold and, and lumber and, and things like that, um, that, you know, can then kind of turn into productive assets and you can then take them into other games to, um, you know, integrate and, you know, kind of use them over there. Um, and, and yeah. you know, there's that kind of metagame aspects where, you know, you have this, you know, kind of recognition, the identity that you're kind of forming on chain within, you know, certainly kind of within treasure where, you know, uh, from all of your accomplishments, be it in, um, you know, uh, game A, uh, you know, we have a game called the beacon. If you're a, you know, successful kind of player there, you know, imagine being able to earn something, which is then kind of created as like a, a soul bounds, like on chain badge and achievements, um, and being able to have that be recognized by another game that decides to kind of, you know, uh, curate and implement that and being able to unlock something in the other. Um, and so having that kind of span across multiple games and kind of creating the context that, you know, um, you are, you know, not just a, a new player who is, you know, who hasn't really done anything. And, you know, a lot of the kind of Web2 um, kind of, uh, you know, implementations kind of lead to that. In Web3, you can start with the assumption that, um, and, and really with the data that you can kind of tap into because it's all on chain, which is uh, super exciting. I, I think that sounds really exciting. Uh, it sounds like what you're explaining, and correct me if I'm misinterpreting, but that on treasure you're almost trying to become this credentials and social layer that's the the kind of glue between all each of these different game ecosystems and things like reputation activity achievement stuff like that's being i kind of com collected and uh used within treasure across kind of the the rest of the ecosystem i think this is where things for me get a lot more exciting because I, I do think one of the ironies of most either metaverse open metaverse experiences or like larger like web3 gaming experiences is that in fact many projects have just been building walled gardens just to, that are using decentralized technology um so i when it when it comes to treasure itself i'd love to just tap into a little bit about you know what as more players enter the the space which no doubt, as as I'm sure Arbitrum is going to have a flood of new capital entering it as we move towards the end of this year, that that is going to happen. What what what's different that Treasure is is doing and is going to do? And I can can you explain a little bit more about how kind of the wider Treasure ecosystem is interconnected and how the the Magic Token plays a role across all of Treasure? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So with the treasury ecosystem, I mean, th this really comprises, um, you know, a number of first and third party games, you know, they're game studios who we've partnered with, um, who are building on top of the kind of treasure ecosystem and, and the, using the magic token in, in some way, shape or form. Of course, you know, it's, it's a token and, you know, anyone can do what they want with it. Um, but as we think about kind of this like, um, you know, decentralized uh, kind of 
curation and you know where we operate as as a DAO. So I'm really kind of thinking about what is recognized as you know a kind of game um, that you know is kind of building on top of of treasure. Um, and you know as we kind of think about um, you know doing this in kind of a more of a decentralized fashion, um, it, you know we. Uh, as mentioned, kind of liken this to like the decentralized Nintendo where, you know, now effectively anyone could, you know, build a cartridge and anyone could slot that into the console that is treasure. Um, and really the kind of tying and, and unifying factor is, um, you know, kind of building this in a way that is leveraging our resources. Um, so magic as a currency, using it as a money or some other kind of, you know, currency within, within your game. Um, you know, it's leveraging the infrastructure. Um, and so, you know, whether it's listing on Trove or, or kind of gaming focused marketplace, uh, primarily for the treasure ecosystem, um, you know, we, we kind of have been building that around, you know, really this like kind of steam, like, you know, kind of channel, um, you know, similar to many marketplaces, but with the kind of context of, you know, kind of living and breathing within the, the treasure kind of universe. And that does tie into a lot of the like social and identity kind of uh, aspects that, that I mentioned. Um, we have our AMM. So leveraging that if, you know, you also have your, your own token. So really kind of thinking about, um, you know, how we kind of partner and, and work with these, um, you know, really other kind of folks who are uh, coming in to, to build on, on treasure. I mean, I think maybe just to speak through like kind of how we think about the persona in which like we spend most time kind of working with, mm. um, you know, it's really like, you know, we're not exclusively focused on this, but really thinking about like the indie and grassroots developers. So, you know, there are many, many, you know, ecosystems out there who games could decide to kind of partner with. Um, but really, I think for us, like this is really the segment that will probably benefit the most from, you know, working with the treasury ecosystem. So, you know, really that kind of like Stardew Valley, like sweet spot, kind of the, the moonshot underdogs. Um, and so, you know, kind of being able to, you know, leverage really all of the everything we have, you know, under treasure. But then I think the, you know, big uh, kind of aspect to this is, um, you know, the kind of like vibrant and intimate kind of community that we've been kind of fostering. So be that on the player side, you know, you, you know, thinking about how, you know, uh, developers, you know, really need kind of players and, and that kind of initial go to market and kind of bootstrapping is, is really important to, um, you know, help to kind of uh, get a kickstart on, you know, hopefully a, a kind of successful launch and, and game. Um, but then also on the builder side, which I think is, is quite unique, um, where, you know, it, there is really this like rising tide of saw boats perspective, where a lot of the games, you know, are actively rooting for and working with, you know, other games who are here. Um, that is kind of behind the scenes where, you know, the, the founders, the, you know, devs, the artists, the marketers are there sharing notes and, um, you know, kind of building really a, a community to help each other. Uh, and then, but then it's, it's also on, you know, kind of the external player side where um, these games are implementing, you know, the other's assets and, you know, they're, you know, working to kind of 
aggregate their communities and you know push each other forward and and so you're kind of seeing this much more collaborative approach versus a competitive approach um you know seeing the success of one game will also i think you know uh, add a, a bit of a you know kind of fuel on under the fire to um you know help you kind of push forward and, and also be inspired by that but you know it's something that i think is is much more kind of collaborative in, in, in nature within um treasure but also i'd say within arbitrum you know there are many kind of game developers that are taking this the similar approach and it's um, been very interesting to see that culture kind of form here yeah and it, and it seems like there there's no shortage of new in particular gaming projects that are either in the works or are launching on arbitrum at the moment which which is great and it feels like with the kind of ecosystem you're building out it's really interesting to hear how games themselves potentially even like implementing magic token i think one of the things i look at with so many games where they maybe don't actually really need the complication of their own unique token anyway uh so just kind of leveraging that can can be great in many cases and i'm sure it's great for treasure as well what as as we kind of like round this 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 discussion out what what are some of the projects and initiatives that you're most excited about on on Arbitrum right now and those that are going to be kind of coming maybe in the next 18 months, whether that's gaming, DeFi, beyond, or maybe just broader Arbitrum uh, kind of uh, developments. But I'm interested as someone deep into the ecosystem of Arbitrum, what you're most excited about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the definitely my my skew towards gaming is is probably going to take the forefront of this. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I think the just general growth of it. Um, I'll, I'll actually start beyond treasure. Um, and you know, some some of the games that I kind of mentioned already. You know, Forgotten Ruins, Metagates. Um, there's another game called AI Arena. You know, that is um, you know at the surface seems like a kind of Super Smash Brothers like you know kind of game, but you know in the back end it is powered by by AI and you know, there's actually quite a bit of kind of research um, that, you know, is kind of going into it and people have to kind of train their their models and, you know, play uh, and, you know, kind of then set forth into more of a competitive kind of format to deploy the um, robots or the bots that you've kind of, um, you know, uh, trained and have them kind of compete against others who've done the same. Um, and so it's a very kind of novel approach to, to doing that. A very kind of interesting game on, on that side. Um, you know, Starfall is another game that that I think is interesting. Um, on the kind of treasure end, um, you know, we have, uh, you know, within the 18 mo- next 18 months, it's probably going to be a lot sooner than that. But, um, you know, we have Kororo Beasts, kind of like a Pokemon of, of Web3 um, yeah. that, you know, is, is kind of launching, I think, in uh, either March or, or April. Um, you know, and then Bitmates that is kind of coming to Arbitrum soon from ETHL1 and, and also Treasure um, that, uh, you know, is, is launching into the beta. It'll be like a MMORPG. So I think there's there's so many um, kind of players and, and projects, initiatives that are kind of building here. Um, you know, I think a lot of this is is maturing and it also ties in well with um, Arbitrum's recent news. Uh, I think it was, what, two days ago um, yeah. of uh, kind of Stylus. And, you know, this is kind of their next gen like programming environment upgrade for both Arbitrum 1 and Nova. So, um, you know, beyond uh, kind of solidity, you know, you can 
start to deploy, you know, uh, kind of programs and smart contracts that would be written in kind of Rust, C, C++, um, et cetera. And, and so, you know, this will also, I think they've, they've deployed a bit of a upgrade to this as well, such that, you know, it's, it's even faster than from um, when they kind of put out the Arbitrum on the Nitro, I think it was like end of, of August of last year. Yeah. So I think that will really lend itself to, uh, you know, a new wave of developers, kind of this like EBM plus where, you know, it, it's much more kind of open and, you know, developers who are kind of coming in from maybe like other ecosystems will find a, a great home to, um, you know, kind of use the, the language of their choice uh, to to kind of build and uh, develop, uh, you know, for, for the broader ecosystem. Well, it sounds like there's no shortage of really exciting projects that are going to be launching, big developments happening on the on the Arbitrum chain. It, it sounds like a very exciting time to be where you're at right now in Treasure. So, Karel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm sure everyone's going to go check out, if they haven't already, what you're all building over there. And we'll be following your your progress very keenly, I'm sure. We'll, we'll reconnect maybe later in the year. Amazing. Thanks so much for having me, Matthew. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and want to show your appreciation, why not subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a positive review. You want to catch up on all of the previous episodes? Why not visit decryptingcrypto.xyz, follow us on Twitter at decryptopodcast. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show or just want to leave us some personal feedback, email us at podcast at decryptingcrypto.xyz. The contents of the Decrypting Crypto podcast should not be used and are not intended as investment advice. Please do your own due diligence before making any investment, cryptocurrency or otherwise.